I just got to see people's street style, people's unique pieces they had in their closet. I just felt like there was this need for a brand that like spoke to someone just like me. High fashion and luxury, but was made out of better materials. I felt like a lot of the jewelry brands that existed that were a little bit more affordable didn't feel like very much a lifestyle brand. We started the brand, I think, with around $20,000. A month later, Bella Hadid was wearing one of our necklaces. Welcome to this episode with Castamico. Today, we're going to learn about what life is like starting out as assistant buyer in the fashion industry and what it is like to becoming a full-time content creator after having a traditional job. Cass has also launched her own jewelry brand, which is worn by some of the biggest personalities in the fashion space, such as Hailey Bieber and Bella Hadid. Really good to see you, Castamico. Welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to chat today. So am I. How are you? I'm good. I'm happy to be in Miami right now. It's nice and warm. I was just at New York Fashion Week, so it's nice. Nice to be back home. So Miami is your home. Did you also grow up there? No. So I actually grew up um, on Long Island in New York. So a little bit of a switch. I feel like I never take for granted living somewhere warm now since I grew yeah. up in New York. I've always felt like there's a very, there, like even though Miami and and uh, New York and Los Angeles kind of have people moving between the cities. Do you feel that there are like big differences and big contrasts living in Miami compared to New York in terms of the vibe and the style of people? A hundred percent. I think it's just such a different, I think when you're city, obviously everyone's kind of reporting into an office and everyone's grinding and working so many hours and it, there's obviously just so many more companies based there, compact into one city, and it's just much more of like a hustle culture. Whereas Miami, I think, has definitely more of a balance. I feel like Miami also has a lot of people who maybe had already have done that, and now they can have the freedom to maybe you know work from home or work on their own schedule a little bit. I obviously still work a lot of hours, but I get to do it from the comfort of my house and I get to step onto my balcony if I need to. And it's definitely just a much different, there's much more of like a work-life balance in the sense that you can like go for a really nice walk along the water. New York is definitely much more, a little bit more chaotic and (laughs) hustle, hustle, bustle, but they both have it their appeal. Yeah. It's uh, it's further away from the beach in uh, in Manhattan for sure. <laughs> yeah, and walking along the water is like kind of smells, and it's yeah. it's not as pleasant. It's it's nice, but it's not the same. But it's also um, kind of the the capital for for fashion um, in many ways, alongside other big cities in the world with Paris and so on. But definitely in the U.S., was that a reason for why your interest in fashion start? You think? I'm not sure. I think my I just kind of was born always really interested in fashion. And I was like a competitive dancer growing up and I was obsessed with making my costume for that. I was obsessed with how I was, what I was wearing. I probably took that way too seriously growing up. And then I kind of, once Tumblr started to happen and all these different kind of social media platforms just started to happen where you could kind of stalk people's style from around the world. I think that's when my fascination with everything 
just exploded even more than it had before. Because before you were kind of just only had access to maybe how celebrities dressed or how people around you dressed. Mm. And I think social media changed the game with being able to see what girls from around the world were wearing. So I feel like that was a really cool way to get exposed to fashion. What was the vibe like on Tumblr? Oh my God. I when I, I remember when I first re- discovered Tumblr, I discovered like Kiara Ferrani, who mm. I don't know if I just pronounced her last name right, but um <laughs> The Blonde Salad. She was like an OG. Yeah, oh. she was an OG and she was all her photos were all over Tumblr. So I just got to see people's street style, people's unique pieces they had in their closet. I feel like it was also very aspirational. I remember at the time I was in college, I had no money. And I would see people with like these closets that were insane and just this wardrobe that was like so aspirational and very cool. So it was just a really cool way to discover different people and how they were living and dressing and pieces they had. And I just found everything to be so exciting. And it's like almost like a Pinterest. Okay. Was that also where this, uh, do you remember, or remember, maybe it's still around, the Sartorialist, the uh, the inspiration account? Yeah. Was it a blog, maybe? I can't remember. I was probably a blog. Oh. Most things in fashion started off as a blog. Like, obviously, Kiara had an actual blog, and then her images were on Tumblr, oh. and then she put her images on Instagram. So most people had an actual freestanding website, um, I feel like, when it all first started. And that was a totally different format too. No one really reads blogs as much anymore. Yeah. And you started working in in the fashion industry. How did that come about? And yeah. what, was, what was the first job like? So I always knew I wanted to be a buyer because it's kind of something that puts math and fashion together. And math was kind of something I was like naturally good at. And I always just thought being a buyer was such a cool job. Obviously, it sounds more glamorous than it is you're basically going and meeting with brands and almost shopping for the store in a sense where you're picking out which pieces and how like which quantities and which store it should go to and all things like that so I actually had interned um in a buying department right before I graduated college and then I ended up getting a job as an assistant buyer right out of college and I did that for four years and it was amazing I had I'm really glad that I got like a corporate proper professional work experience. I think it can be hard if you like just going right into social media, if you've never had any sort of professional experience, but I guess you can kind of just hire people to manage your email and stuff like that. But I like a lot of the business side of everything I do. So I'm glad that I really got a proper, you know, tap into like corporate fashion. So I was also really hands-on with product development and it was kind of also at the time I was posting my outfits on my Instagram just kind of like as a side hustle to hopefully get a better like cooler job in the fashion industry because it was really hard to I didn't really know anyone in the fashion industry so I felt like oh if I maybe start shooting my looks online I can kind of show my taste level and then maybe get an even better job than I have currently. And then I was kind of helping the department store create like private label brands. And I was really loving that. I was kind of doing a lot of designing um, and kind of just helping create a brand from start to finish. So 
as my content creator life started to take off a little bit more, I was like, okay, maybe I can actually do this full time. And maybe my end goal will kind of be to start a brand. Like my, my end goal always was to build up a following myself and then be able to use that following to start a brand. So I was kind of strategic in the sense that it was really early on in the industry, but I could, there were some key players who were like doing things like that. And I like saw right away how smart that was and kind of decided that would be a good path to take. You were seeing uh, other like content creators that were doing this really well. Was that what you mean? Yeah. Like I think there was people like Kiara, there was people like we were what something Navy who had built a personal brand and then they were like starting to launch their own brand. So I like had followed these girls and looked up to them. So that was kind of something I was like, wow, that's so smart to do. I think it makes it much easier to build a brand if you kind of have this community that's a more personalized community. Very intrigued of like the whole content creator world in itself of watching girls go to fashion weeks and attend events and work with a lot of different brands. I just thought it was like a very cool career path to take. So I feel like I ended up quitting my job at a great time. That's a really interesting time, I think. When you're at this job, you're you're an assistant buyer and you're learning about the fashion industry, but you also have your your blog on the side, right? And that's where you're posting your content along with other platforms. But at what time do you realize like I could actually make this into something more than a hobby on the side? Is there, you know, certain points that you realize or is it more that you just decide to do it? I think because I was also relatively young and I was in the corporate structure, my at first I was very naive and I, I never wanted to be a full-time content. I always wanted to be something I did on the side. And my dream was to like move up the corporate ladder of becoming like higher up. And once I kind of started to realize, A, how long that would take, like just how long it takes to actually, like 30 years it takes people to like get to those positions. And once I kind of realized just the reality of what the situation was, like I was getting overworked and then I was getting like the tiniest raise each year that was so microscopic, I think. And then I started to kind of get brand deals started to come in and then I would see that paycheck versus what I'm making. And I was just like, okay, um, this is like my whole month's salary that I just made in one brand deal. So it just started to get to a point where I was definitely in a pretty like safe zone when I ended up quitting my job because I was, it was at a time where I was like getting invited on a lot of trips and I had a few like multi-month brand deals. So I felt like it was like definitely a risk, but I definitely felt safe. I wasn't like quitting and being at zero. I was quitting and I was like, okay, I'm doing this basically like once or twice a week. Imagine if I'm able to like put all my energy into this and go full time. So I just kind of like made that leap. And I think being a little like naive and confident at the same time is a perfect combination to just be like, there's no doubt in my mind that this is going to work and it's all going to be great. And it all did. And it, it was obviously the best decision ever. I, I was talking with somebody who um, he's, a, he's a doctor and it was, it was interesting to hear his view on, you know, um, people he studied with in in the medical field who are not that fluent in social media, it was a very big step for him. Yeah. 
you know, socially as well. Was was that something you were thinking about? Like what people were going to think and, and things like these? I don't like colleagues or friends or um, or was that more a natural thing given the ties between fashion and social media? I think at the time it was less scary because I was really just uploading at the time. There wasn't stories. I was literally just mm. uploading outfits onto the internet so it was a little less vulnerable i would say i wasn't really sharing like my entire life or my personality it was really just like me standing in the street with a cute outfit on so i think i i can understand how if you're like on tiktok and you have like this huge big personality and you're making jokes how that can be like kind of scary or weird if you like also have a job like people judging you so I think because I was working in fashion and posting fashion, it wasn't weird. I'm sure people were talking about me behind my back. I definitely had people who were probably like, what is this girl doing? But at the time, yeah, that wasn't something that ever really crossed my line. I didn't really care. I actually like knew that in the long run, I would get to a place where I would be so like, I knew it was like the right move to be making. So I, I felt like I was making such a smart decision. So like if anyone was judging me, it's really and, and if somebody is, is in that position now and kind of doubting um, if it's worth it or if people are going to do these judgments, say somebody in your situation, um, working in fashion or in a, in a related field, um, what would you have to say to somebody like that? I think that is so it's so important to not care about what other people think especially when you're doing social media it's something I have to remind myself of every single day and I think it just makes you stronger when you're able to like put yourself out there and I think anyone that is judging someone very aggressively is someone who deep down is has some sort of part of them that wishes they were doing that or they were making different moves I think the people who are very judgmental are usually the people who are below you and I know that maybe sounds bad but no one who's successful just judges you. Those are the people that yeah. will help you. The, like, if you have people who are not in your corner, then you need to get rid of those people because, like, that's not the type of energy that you need in your life for anything that you're doing. Or even if it's not social media related, I feel like surrounding yourself with people who kind of build you up and encourage you to take risks and say, like, yeah, I'm sure you'll do great at that. And not someone who judges you is so important. That's a really good point, actually. The people who are successful will probably never judge you. That's a really good thing to think about. Um, but some people go into content creation as kind of their first job, quote unquote. Um, what do you think has been important with starting out with a more traditional job like you did um, and have that experience with you now? Is that something that that you can use a lot? A hundred percent. I think I have like a different appreciation for all the people around me who are supporting me, who, you know, technically what they're doing is a more traditional job, you know, either it's like my management or, you know, you're going to an event and all the people helping putting on that event. Like, I think it just helps you realize, you know, like not live in a bubble of social media and how you know, a lot of people around you are working really hard and are in a traditional structure. So, and I think it gives you like this sense of professionalism as well. And, and I also think it helps, has helped me to never feel like entitled. 
I think it's mm. been a it's been a while since I've quit my job, but I still feel like every single day I'm very grateful that I get to work from home. I have freedom. You know, my job consists in me getting to like travel and all these amazing things I get to do. I feel like I'll never feel entitled or taking it for granted because I know what it was like to have a traditional job and like feel the frustration of trying to work up the corporate ladder that way. Yeah, exactly. Knowing about how to get promoted and uh, uh, who to report to and things like that. Definitely. Um, but you mentioned the the bubble of social media. Uh, for somebody listening who doesn't know what that is, can you can you describe? I think it's you can kind of get stuck in thinking social media is like reality and there's no other world outside of the social media world. Like, you know, nowadays it's like, if you have a million followers and you think you're like famous, it's like you're famous in this corner of the internet. Like if you go out into the real world, like you don't deserve all of this special treatment, I think. Like it's kind of just, I think it can be kind of a bubble if you're just always viewing the same type of people who all do the same types of things and not understanding that there's a whole entire world outside of like the fashion world or beauty world or whatever industry mm -hmm. that you're in. There's, oh, the world is quite large. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so a good thing would be to actually have that at least first step or a few first steps in, in the real world, so to speak, to <laughs> to know what's outside once once you decide to become a content creator or or go that route, I guess. Yeah. And that probably that probably applies to to all kinds of social media. I mean, not only if you're in, in fashion, but also if you're doing gaming or if you're um, you know, a hundred percent onto Twitter and writing your newsletters or whatever it could be. I mean, there are there are bubbles everywhere. So I guess exactly uh, I guess it's a very important point. Not not the least for your mental health and just knowing there are other yeah, things exactly. out there. Right? And uh you mentioned before um, that you were thinking early about launching your own brand. How did this uh, start when you eventually built a following? Um, and did you already know like what you would want to do or did that come naturally for you? So when I had first started out, I kind of always realized I like loved jewelry and I wanted to kind of do a category that I hadn't seen anyone else at the time kind of dive into. So when we launched Orium, I just felt like there was this need for a brand that like spoke to someone just like me, basically, like that felt very like high fashion and luxury, but was made out of better materials. I was loving so much of the jewelry in the designer market, but I didn't love how it was like made of brass and it was gold plated, but it was like $2,000. Like I just, it didn't really align. Mm. And then I felt like a lot of the jewelry brands that existed that were a little bit more affordable didn't feel like this luxury fashion brands like our orium was is very much built on like aesthetics and it's very much a lifestyle brand and it's there's definitely much more to it than just the jewelry itself so when we launched the brand we kind of just had a full vision for the vibe of the brand as a whole and kind of just like dove in and went from there. We launched, like we came up with the idea and then launched in like a four month period, which was, which is pretty fast. 
looking back on that now, I'm like, that's crazy fast. We were just like, go, go, go. Let's just start. Like the definition of like, let's just start and adjust instead of just trying to make everything perfect before we launch and like waiting and waiting. We were just like, let's do this now. We have an idea. Let's jump on it. I also think fashion kind of moves quickly. Like we launched our brand with eight chain styles at the time because that was something that was really popular at the time. But I felt like, or I I felt like it was a trend that was about to really happen. And I couldn't find anything that I felt like looked amazing. So we launched with literally just eight chains and they did amazing. And that was kind of like the bread and butter of our brand for like a solid year. And a lot of people try to say like, we like almost like made that trend explode. Like, I think a lot of people were associating our brand and like gold chains at the time. And obviously it's now evolved a lot, but in the very beginning, it was almost like a very niche assortment that we had. So chains like bracelets and necklaces. and the Yeah, chain. like okay. big, chunky, like curved chain necklaces. <clears throat> and it was kind of right as the trend was about to explode. So we were just like perfect timing of having like one of like the best quality looking chains. So I think that's why we were so successful so quickly. Did you have a way to know that your audience and your reach was, you know, a fit with the products you were about to launch? Yeah, I didn't survey anyone. I think my like personal account was always based on fashion and my personal style. So I think all of the girls who were following me there were following me. Like that was the main reason they were following me. It wasn't because I like take cool photos or they think I'm funny or whatever it is. I think a lot of people were just following me for my personal style. So I think when I designed and launched a brand, it felt very unique to me and it could speak to my audience too, because we all kind of had this like similar taste in what we like to wear. What is it like to to start your own brand when you are a creator in terms of like financing and setting up supply chain and production like how did you think about all these things when it comes to the actual all the the back end of of uh starting to to sell your own products yeah so we um have always kind of bootstrapped everything we started the brand i think with around twenty thousand dollars and we were were using like facebook advertising a lot we were kind of just kept investing back into the brand and that's like it's definitely very difficult I feel like the more money you make the more money is like constantly on the line and mm-hmm. it sounds so nice when I hear other brands and they're like we just raised three million dollars I'm like wow that sounds so nice um but I know <laughs> a lot comes with that as well so there's like pros and cons to going either way but we've made the decision to just kind of bootstrap everything and kind of put our own money into things and I've definitely it's definitely helped me to continue working as a content creator because I've definitely at times like used the money that I'm making from brand brand deals to help fund Orium when you need it so your life has has basically went from you were working um, in the fashion industry and then as a full-time content creator, you're kind of thrown into a 24-7 job in a way um, or lifestyle and then launching your own brand on top of this. 
Were you surprised about how your new life became? What was that different from what you thought it would be when once you start getting into it full time? I kind of always knew it would be like a full time job because even when I was working, I was whenever I had free time, all I wanted to do was like work on my blog or work on my Instagram. So I knew it was going to be like an all encompassing thing. I definitely think mm. now also trying to run Orium is has been very difficult to balance between the two but it is all I mean at the end of the day everything I do is pretty fun so I feel like I can't complain but it's definitely been very difficult we've had a lot of struggles with trying to hire a team I've had I've been struggling a lot with learning how to keep delegating and I feel like there's so many things that I do that I can't delegate out to other people so it's definitely been a, a hard balance between the two. And I think especially since I like my husband and my co-founder. So I feel like we're constantly working 24-7. Like that's all we talk about. So I think that's another reason why it's hard to have work-life balance. But at the end of the day, we do love what we do. And we're like very passionate about building everything. So I it's... Has its pros and cons, I would say. What are things that are really hard to to delegate uh, as a content creator? I don't ever want to be delegating someone like picking out my outfits or like styling. That's something I love doing. I don't ever want to delegate designing for him. I don't want to delegate anything creative I find very hard, like editing or going through photos that I take. Like I feel like I like to pick whatever I'm doing and I've, re- I've been trying very hard, but a lot of the creative things are extremely hard to delegate um, because you, I just want everything to look like my like eye and vision. So it's like, it feels like a majority of things I'm not able to delegate. And I feel like now with so many platforms, it's like Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. It's like, you need to be the one mm. front facing for majority of the content. So it is very hard to delegate doing that we've considered maybe having someone who could be like another content creator who kind of helps work on our brand socials who's like also helping create content but it's really hard to find someone like that because it's hard for them to they need to like have similar style to me and like style things slightly similar to me and so that's been very challenging and I also think that's risky because then if someone ends up like quitting three months later or like it doesn't work out like I think you don't really want like different faces coming in and out of the brand so mm. yeah I feel like the end, the list is endless of things that you can't delegate yeah there's yeah, a lot of unexpected challenges that come off also of course opportunities but that comes as you know as as compared with a with a tra- traditional quote-unquote traditional entrepreneur who comes up and starting a, a fashion brand or a jewelry line um then you are because you're also the face of the brand mm-hmm. right and uh and you also have to kind of like manage that that persona with uh with the image to be aligned with the brand so um yeah that's uh that, it's a very interesting challenge that i think most people don't really think about yeah as opposed to if you would be the ceo and, and hire models uh to and never really be seen i find it very difficult to be like on my computer you know i think it's one thing if you're at your desk working and you're focusing on like managing different tasks and you're kind of like on the computer, like doing traditional work. And then you also have to be like getting ready, 
front facing, like talking alone in a room to your camera and like doing things like that, like switching back and forth between those two different brains, like the creative brain and like the business brain, I find very difficult to like flip flop between because I think you're kind Mm -hmm. of like under one mentality when you're kind of like doing more business strategy versus when you're trying to like have a personality and like be bubbly, bubbly and like be in a good mood and be you know, a personality for social media. Yeah. So like in the morning, you're in this very tough negotiation with uh, a business partner or somebody like that. And and then in the afternoon, you're, you're supposed to exactly. be in front of the camera and do something which has a really different vibe. Yeah, of course. Uh, <laughs> but you also started Orium with your husband, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and so how do you divide it? Are you in both business and creative or how have you divided it between each other? So he used to work in finance. So he definitely has kind of that more like business and um, like financial background over me. But I, we're definitely both pretty involved in a lot of different things. I'm really trying to let go of more things, but I try to like basically oversee everything. I'm still doing a lot of like the designing and just anything that's like creative or front facing of the brand so if we're redoing our website or we're planning a photo shoot or um you know all things social media that kind of all falls under me and he's doing a lot of like the marketing advertising um he manages like our customer service team and also just like any other business development or other things like that he'll help manage so we definitely tried to our best to divide and conquer but we obviously share our opinions to each other all day long and how do you think about building a team and recruiting that's a really hard thing i think uh (laughs) you know finding the right people but also i don't know if this is a thing but you're a well-known personality and especially in in your field um can that become a problem that people you know might want to start working because they want to work with you and not necessarily with the brand. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. I haven't had that. I don't think I've had that problem. I definitely think there's a sense of some people want to work for you in hopes that like maybe I'll be like posting them and then like they can kind of start to build their following. And like that's something I've learned that I like just can't really tolerate because that's just not what they're there for. They're there to support me. I'm not really there to like help them build uh, their own following. So that's tricky. I definitely think Building a team has been the number one biggest pain point of both my personal brand and building Orium. It is, I find it so difficult and I feel like people just have such a breeze finding people. And I I don't know if I'm just too much of a perfectionist or if I'm just not great at interviewing people or what it is, but I've been finding it really, uh, really difficult. We finally have some team members um, who are on our team who are like just total rock stars. So now we're just figuring out how to like keep that momentum and keep building the team. But it's it's certainly it's certainly a challenge. I think like I think anyone also who is great at social media and can help me maybe like run social media probably does have their own social media. So then at the end of the day, their main goal is most likely to then be able to build the following to like do this on their own too. So it, 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 it's, it's very difficult. 
and if somebody's listening now and is a real rock star and, and wants to work with you, how, how can they reach you? Is that oh my a, God, a, where? a cold DM on Instagram or an email? Yes. Email us at jobs at Orium Collective, like anyone. We, we actually, one of our employees actually, who is amazing, she actually discovered us from a podcast. Um, and really, and now she is like on our team and she's amazing. So I feel like a podcast is actually a great place to invite employees because anyone who's kind of like trying to listen to things and better themselves, is like probably someone is on their game. And is in a great direction, yeah. in a, going in a great direction. So, I think it like appeals to the right person. Yeah, it's it's one of the few medias that I I think well, I'm a bit biased, but that gives you depth, yeah. like beyond the the 15 second you know video or or photo. Um, so. So yeah, I, I learned so much from from watching other podcasts um, and, and also about other people and how they're thinking. Um, it's an amazing tool. I feel like that we're very lucky to have because I feel like back in the day, you didn't just have access to listen to all these successful people like share what they do in the morning or how they got there or tips. And like, I think it's just such an amazing way to learn from so many different people. And you, we talked about before that, you know, the creator lifestyle. It's a challenge with um, building and uh, continuing to grow, but getting help to do that. How do you build the team given like when it comes to your personal side, given that it's so hard to delegate, what, what are things that can be um, delegated to for you to continue to grow? So I do have a personal assistant. He's basically kind of in charge of like keeping me organized and just helping me manage between both businesses and then I obviously have a management on my personal brand side and really in charge of brand deals and negotiations and they kind of cover that whole part of the business for me and then I also have someone who will help me kind of edit like YouTube videos or things like that and then sometimes I'll work with a photographer to help me create content and it, it's tricky because it is all one and the same, but I've learned to try to kind of keep employees other than my assistant. We do treat, keep employees like strictly Orium or strictly on my personal brand side, mm. because otherwise it can be a little bit fuzzy about, you know, what they're actually, their priority is for each day. So then we also just have um, people helping us on the Orium side who are just are strictly and um it's so amazing to see how praised it has been by really big personalities like i, I mentioned some of them before like Haley bieber and born by bella hadid and, and so on uh how much effect does things like that have for for a brand um in your view and and how do these things happen that must be you know a very high prioritized thing for many fashion brands out there um and orium hasn't been around for that long but um has had a lot of success on that area as well. Yeah. So basically when you um, start a brand, you can hire on a PR team and they can be helping you with celebrity gifting and you're paying that PR team, but there's like zero guarantee that anyone will wear your products. Like they're basically mm -hmm. just in charge of getting into their house or getting the gifting to them. And then from there, you're basically just sitting around like stalking the girls' Instagrams or paparazzi photos, 
hoping that they maybe put your piece on. And so you're basically paying like a retainer model fee and then you're hoping for the best. Yeah, yeah exactly. And they, and they obviously okay. do things. Most PR companies do a lot of things <clears throat> other than celebrity gifting. A lot of people do like influencer gifting or like traditional PR. We have like a crazy amount of influencers who reach out to us daily to for gifting. So we actually haven't had PR for like the last like year and a half. But in the very beginning of the brand, I think we had launched and a month in, we had like Bella Hadid's stylist had actually reached out to us for us to just send the stylist um, like our collection. And we had, we didn't really think anything of it. And then literally like a month later, Bella Hadid was wearing one of our necklaces. And that was pretty crazy. I think in the beginning of launching a brand, it just really helps your credibility. And I think even if like that piece doesn't sell out that second, that I just think it's overall like a great talking point of your brand of people being like, wow, like Cass's brand was on Bella. Like, I think it's just um, give, helps give you credibility. And I think it's a little tricky because I think when you're a jewelry brand, it's usually not the focus of a person's outfit or it's not, it's, or it's like, pretty small in a photo whereas I feel like if it was like maybe like a dress someone wore it probably would sell out mm. like right away mm. um but we have so much success with celebrities wearing our brand within the first year it was actually pretty crazy and it was all just by the girls getting the pieces and they get like hundreds of jewelry brands sent to them and being like wow that and putting that on so I feel like for me it was definitely a validating tests to like what our brand looks like and I feel like our pieces look even better in person where I feel like when our jewelry is sitting next to other jewelry brands it like pops so mm. because we also use like 24 karat gold so it's like a different shade a lot of different factors so we actually also had a pair of earrings that Haley wore a pair of hoops that were like selling fine. They weren't really like great. Once they sold out, we probably weren't going to restock them. And then she wore them and they were a bestseller for like a year and a half. It was pretty wild. Like I think these certain celebrities just have this crazy effect. Haley Bieber being one of them, which I totally get. I'm obsessed with her. Like I'm on that train. So yeah. I understand it's like, it's not, it doesn't work the same. I would say for all celebrities. It's like those few celebrities that have like, this cult behind them that people really will buy whatever whatever it is they're wearing and is that that effect from going from uh not being restocked to being a top seller for you know a long time is that because of like one photo or is she that was, like is she it wore them crazy? a few times i think and i think that's why the same photos of her are like wearing them but she had worn them quite a few times and she was in like a YouTube video, like doing her makeup in them. So you can see them really clearly. Like, I, I think it was like, wow, the fact that she was wearing them like quite a few times. Hmm. And for somebody listening who, you know, who's not really in uh, the social media world or, or knows what it's like to be a creator and the amount of things being sent to you, can you, can you picture that for, for, or even me, I don't know what it's like. I'm very particular because... You know, my assistant doesn't report to my house every day. So, you know, if I'm getting tons of gifting, that's 
consistent me breaking down boxes all day. And that's not what I'm trying to spend my time yeah. doing. So I'm actually extremely particular about who is allowed to send me gifting. Like if a brand just randomly sends me something, I actually get angry because I'm just like, well, how do you have no. my address? Don't send random things to my house. Yeah, I was going to ask, uh, how do they even know like, you would have to send them your address first i guess yeah but sometimes you send one a pr brand you approve like x brand <laughs> mm. that you want and then the pr brand will like send it to all their clients so that i think brands are definitely getting like more uh like respectful in the sense that they'll hey be like hey we have this mailer do you want it reply yes if you want it like i think otherwise it is so wildly wasteful like beauty brands will send you 20 different foundation shades and you're just like i only need one one shade so it, it can no. be really frustrating it's just it's wasteful it's time consuming for the person receiving it to have to like go through all these things i i also just don't really want like clutter or i'm also 31 years old like i don't need tons of free stuff in my life anymore if anything i'm mm. trying to like minimize how much things i have in my life so i try really hard to like not accept too much gifting obviously i i honestly still reach out to brands myself like smaller brands that i think are amazing that i'm like hey i would love to post this like would you be okay gifting this so i also see as a side note i feel like i'm constantly seeing people on tiktok who are like smaller influencers talk about how every brand should be paying you like never do for brands for free and i feel like i have the polar opposite mentality like i feel like i still love supporting small brands for free i love like sharing a recommendation for free i think that's exactly what your entire business is built off of so you should be just doing that and it saves you money if you get something for free even if you're getting paid I remember the first time I, I was talking with a friend who, who is a creator and she told me about just the sheer amount of packages that were at her door every single day. <laughs> it was just like cartons, empty packages. And I was like, what is that? Like every single day. Yeah. Um, I think this is something that, that most people have no idea about how that works. It's a really fascinating thing, which I guess did not exist that much before. Instagram became a big thing. Yeah. <clears throat> what are you thinking now from here um, with uh, Orium? Uh, where are you standing with the business? How are you thinking for the long-term plans of it? So right now we have like a pretty um, exciting amount of things happening. Um, we're going to be launching into other categories this year because I just feel like for me and who our customer is i don't want to just be a jewelry brand i think traditionally a lot of people give you business advice that like you should kind of stick to one thing and like own that category but i feel like for us i want to kind of be known as just a full accessories brand that's like helping you elevate your outfits every day and you know i have this whole mantra of just like dress simply and like let your accessories do the talking and have fun with your accessories so that's something we're going to kind of be building building out throughout the years. And then we also are going to be exploring wholesale, which is exciting because we, we've been DTC for the past like three years. And I'm so happy that we did that. And we've had a, a lot of wholesalers reach out to us like, and we declined a lot of like pretty large 
deals from retailers. And I'm glad that we did that because I'm glad that we kind of had this time to build up our DTC customer, learn who our customer is. For me, designing, like learn what the customer wants. And then now I feel like we're in a great place where we can explore like doing wholesale. And I think obviously with like Facebook advertising and so many changes, I think wholesale also is a great place for someone to be introduced to your brand and like try out the brand or discover the brand. And maybe if they wouldn't have before. And when you're at a fashion week, like last week, for instance, uh, in New York, what's, uh, what's your goal with that week? Is that more for pleasure or is that business or is it both? So that's kind of a mix of both. I'm attending these shows and then I'm like wearing Orium with these looks. So I think it kind of elevates the brand as a whole. And then we also have just so many girls who like buy Orium organically as influencers. And we have like a few girls. We're very particular about who we do gift. Um, But like last week, we had so many girls wearing our pieces during fashion week. It was pretty cool. So it was nice to like see those girls who do like support the brand. And I also feel like with my personal brand, it's nice to have like brand partners who we can then maybe also partner with me, but then maybe also partner with Orium. So like an example of that is last year I had... I've been working with Intermix for quite a few years. So last year we like did a pop-up with for Orium with Intermix. Or if, you know, right now we're in talks with some brands about maybe doing like a co-branded drop. So I feel like it's a great way for me to like use the brands that I'm networking with for my personal brand into working, doing something with Orium as well. So it's kind of like always intertwined, but... I think Fashion Week can is is also great for my personal brand and like keeping Orium feeling like more of scale. How big is the team at Orium? So right now we only have well we have a lot of um, like contractors obviously with like mm. customer service, manufacturing, and our distribution center and things like that. But in terms of full time employees, we only have one full time employee, which is wow. wild. That's amazing, though. I mean, it's great to <laughs> to keep it tight. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's great to keep it tight. I think like uh, like my husband and I, we were like the only two employees for quite some time. I think like two years or yeah, like two and a half years. And I honestly don't advise that. It's great for saving money. But I almost think we went too long of doing everything ourselves. Where now we're like... Mm finding it hard to offload things because we're so used to doing everything ourselves but we definitely need more team members we just want to keep it slow like go slow with it i don't ever want to like expand like too fast too quickly and like we said we're bootstrapping everything so like everyone's salary equates to hey maybe we could do this that would grow the company more so maybe we'll work a little bit harder and do things ourselves and be able to use that money elsewhere because people's mm. salaries can be obviously pretty expensive and if they're not like bringing in that especially dollar value yeah especially in new york um if they're not like bringing in that dollar value and some it might not make sense mm. i don't know it's a it's a tricky balance because obviously where you can start to feel a little bit burnt out or like lose your sanity a bit 
Yeah, it's uh, it's it's interesting because it's you you both have there's always a risk of creator burnout, but then there's also this risk of founder burnout. You kind of have both. Oh my God, I literally, I have, I have both right now. You've explained yeah. it perfectly. You've diagnosed me. I have both burnouts happening at the same time. That's a theme here. <laughs> yeah, but um, if somebody listening uh, is interested in sending their resume, they can do that to to the email, which they can find on the Orium website, I guess. Yes, <clears throat> or DM me or DM Orium. Probably DM me. Probably DM you. Okay, yes. that's awesome. <laughs> Thanks so much, Cass. This has been uh, this has been a pleasure. It's been uh, it's been really interesting to learn about um, how all of this works and uh, and and the journey. It seems like given given how small the team is now and all you've achieved so far, it's uh, it's just in the very early days still. Yes, yes. Hopefully, hopefully we'll find some more people to help us keep scaling. <laughs> yeah. And expanding to Europe and the rest of the world. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Thank you so much.